It is Monday, January 23rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by Jet Home Loans. And now, a guy who demands to be saluted in the hallway, J.P. Shadrick. I get told I'm number one all the time. By the way, around here, welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Monday. It's the final Monday Jaguars Happy Hour of the 2022 season. We've got a busy two hours ahead. Pro Football Hall of Famer Tony Baselli and CBS Sports Senior Writer Pete Briscoe will join us shortly. A season review, and then it's the beginning of the Jaguars offseason. A lot of questions today about pending free agents. Head coach Doug Peterson spoke today. The locker room was open. We've got Fanatics fan questions and a lot going on at the bank as they cleaned out the locker room today. Players had yesterday off the final meetings today, and now it's on to the offseason. And head coach Doug Peterson today around noon spoke with the media. A lot of free agents in the locker room today said they want to be around this program moving ahead. That's a good thing for the head coach. Well, it means it means everything, you know, um, to us as a as a staff, to um, you know, an organization that the guys want to be here. You know, the nature of our business, though, is you can't you can't resign them all, and it's unfortunate, um, you know, because it is a business and it's a business decision. But you know, we hope to try to get as many of the guys back as we possibly can, and that was my message to those guys this morning. You know, I met with the team as we try to try to resign them all if we can. Um, because we want to keep those core guys together. You know, they were a big part of our success this season. And, and um, you know, but uh, it's a credit to those guys, uh, obviously, that they want to be here. You know, we've established something this year that I think is sustainable. And um, we just got to build on it. Now to the quarterback. He spoke in the locker room today on clean-out day at the bank. And he's going into a regular offseason with the same staff and same players around him for the first time in the NFL. It feels good, you know, knowing that just the foundation that we have here that we that we set this season and last off season, and just knowing that I'm going to be in the same system and all those things moving forward. I mean, I'm really excited to have that uh, experience and just have all this this tape to learn from and so many things that you know, as as many things that we did good this year. There's a lot of things that we can do better and just just the improvements that we can make and um, that's really exciting moving forward. I'm not going to have to learn a new offense and just to have that stability. Um, it's really exciting for myself, for, for all of our guys on offense, and um, it's, it's really exciting. Linebacker Foyer Aluakin came over in free agency from the Falcons. It's season number five for him now in the books. First playoff run for him. What was his biggest takeaway from this season? Just seeing what we're capable of here in Jacksonville. Just seeing all the talent come together, everybody, um, the brotherhood that we kind of formed, and uh, understanding what it takes to win, win games, especially late in the season. Uh, obviously, we want to have a, a cleaner season, get off to a better start, uh, have a better finish. But uh, it was cool to see you know, a whole bunch of guys coming in, kind of seem like we're all new to each other and start winning games. All the availability from today in the locker room is on Jaguars.com and Jaguars social media at the moment. We're on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jag social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And we welcome in, for the final time this season, Tony Baselli and Pete Prisco. I always hate this last day. It, it really stinks, Pete. I mean, you're we got to talk to your agent, Pete. Pete. It's unbelievable. What do you mean you got to talk to my agent? You can talk to – have your people call my people. We can talk work to- something out. Right, Maselli? Yeah. 
We could we could go year round and and pound the draft and 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 uh, you know do mini camp and free agency. We could do it all. We're capable. Have your people call my people, JP. We'll see if <laughs> our people are listening. You never know. Hey, uh, Tony. Uh, Tony's I think agent we've had might the be same here. conversation for the last five years, and Pete and I have always said we're more than willing. Uh, Pete's price tag is much higher than mine, but we're always willing to do a uh, year round. I guess it would be a podcast at that point. You show uh, I show up every week. You don't. That's the biggest difference. Oh, wow. I didn't miss any <laughs> shows this year. You did. <laughs> no, you you missed. You missed one. No. All I missed I know half of one is that because of, I was, of I was the, doing a golf outing. Of the three it. of us, I'm the only one with perfect attendance. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I might say you've done much else going on in your life, so. <laughs> Or hey, I'm just doing my job. How about that? Wow, JP, Tony with a few. Uh, hey, by right the way, to the left, hold on. To JP's head on the way out the door. For those watching on Jaguars.com, Tony, do you have your own bust in your living room behind you? Is that what that is? It's my office, but yes, it's a replica bust that the Hall of Fame sent me about a week ago. How heavy is it? Is it like heavy, like the real bust, or is it just like a, a plastic replica? <laughs> It's not plastic. Um, it's a great question, Pete. I have not, because I, I was out of town when it showed up, so my wife put it there, and I have not touched it yet. I don't know. I haven't picked it up. Pick it up. You know what, You know what, JP? Nah. We should have somebody make busts for us, too, and stick them behind Good us. question. I mean, right. I mean, because let me tell you, Tony loves looking at himself. That's I mean, what, think about it. I mean, all JP, I have is my wife once got me a bobblehead of me and it doesn't look like look at it i got the hairline's way it's too, too tall forward. it's way too tall pete i uh, mean and that was by the way this was a while ago but the hairline's way back here now so that's not yeah, me anymore and that, and that uh bobblehead has a has a neck and you don't have a neck so that's not very i don't accurate. know what you're talking about <laughs> no neck would, J- would jp's bust would have glasses on it would he have to put the glasses on the bust it would have to of or course. it wouldn't be able to see anything of course yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Hey, well, um, you know, it's special when you have your own bust in your own room, though. I mean, that is a oh, pretty yeah. big deal. Don't act like Angie put it there. Come on now. We know who put yeah, it Yeah, right. There. Yeah, come yeah. on. Don't put it on her. You did it. Yeah. Okay. Front and center. Unbelievable. All right. So a loss in the divisional playoff game, 27-20. They're about, what, two, three big plays away from winning that game, felt like. Well, well, they were they were an ankle injury away from probably getting beat by twenty. I disagree with that, Pete. I I completely disagree with you on that. Um, I thought they were. Let me tell you the biggest sequence of plays to me in the game. Um, it is their first and ten on the twenty five going in. Uh, it's a ten seven game, and we have Tripping. a. Tripping call, which was questionable. I don't think he really tripped him. Frank Clark tripped over him uh, when uh, Walker Little slipped. And then we had a sack after that. So it's third and 19. Trevor rolls to the left, buys time, hits Hasty in the chest. Hasty drops it. It would have been a fourth down, fourth and 10 on the 30. Um, and it would have been a 48-yard field goal and a chance to tie it up, make it 10-10. They don't complete, so they have to punt. Now they punt him down. They pin him down to the two-yard line. Chad Henney's in. And they give up a 98-yard touchdown drive that made it 17-7. And in that drive, Foye Aluokan had his hands 
on a ball that was floating in the air was not, it wouldn't have been like a great pick. I mean, it's one he would make nine out of 10 times and he drops it. If he, if he makes that pick, they're first and 10 on the 30 going in and, and they have a chance to make it a 14, 10 game. They have the lead. And I think the entire game is different. If that little sequence there worked out into the favor of the Jaguars, it did not. They go down two two scores, and they are playing catch-up from that point on. By the way, some people said if Campbell picks that ball off, he walks in for a touchdown. That's not true. I watched the tape today. He would have got tackled, <laughs> but he still – he would have had a chance to make a play on the ball as well. I mean, he was going – if if Aluakon doesn't drop it, he's going to pick it off. He sees it right. better, and he would have picked it off. Um, I agree. And then you let him go 98 yards. Some of the plays on that drive were just inexcusable. I mean, how do you let – the first play, you let Kelsey get – Five, right? You don't even touch them. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, it was a seven, you're out from underneath the being in the end zone. I mean, th- th- you just can't allow that to happen. And, and the third down play, where, he, I mean, well, I don't know what those two corners were doing because it didn't look, they looked like they, one was thinking he was going to switch it and the other one didn't. And next thing you know, he's the easiest throw in the world. And by the way, the Chiefs actually ran that play with Henny. In the postseason last year, the, the year when he came in, remember? And he had to throw the little quick throw like that to, against the Browns to win that game. And, and so it, it, I, there are plays you could pick out, but you're right. That little sequence might have changed the momentum of the game. But yeah, come on, the, the foot injury changed the momentum of the game. Oh, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying the foot injury wasn't big, Pete. I'm not saying that at all. But, I mean, it's, it's seven. You know, they go score, we score at 7-7. Seven, seven. You know, they kick a field goal, Mahomes gets hurt. Great. It's part of the game. My point is there was multiple opportunities. I just picked out that one. You could go to the Christian Kirk drop. You know, that's another seven probably off the board. Um, you can go to the Agnew fumble when he's going to go make it a – they're going to make it a seven, a three-point game with five minutes left in the game. And I think the whole thing could have flipped there because the Chiefs weren't really moving the ball all that effectively. Right. So – What was the – what was the situation after the the offensive pass interference? Wasn't it third and seventeen or third and twenty, and uh, they they were out of field goal range and they let him get back in the field goal range with a little yes. dump off to Kelsey, and yes. I, I sent that that uh, video to you guys today. Devin Lloyd is picking up his mouthpiece. I mean, it fell, I watched the whole sequence. He's he's first off he's getting lined up. His mouthpiece falls out of his mouth. He bends over to pick it up, and while he's picking it up, the play starts. And he's the guy that probably would have had to make the play on Kelsey. Kelsey, what did he get on that play, 12 yards? He got 10. Yes, and then now you're in field goal range. He bangs yeah. home the field goal. That was a big play right there. Yeah, it was. No, yeah. and my big takeaway, Pete, of that game is the Jaguars weren't even close to playing a complete good game. I mean, they missed, no. like – Basic opportunities. They lost the turnover margin again, or the turnover battle again. And after I got over the disappointment, I step back and say, you know what? We're even closer than I thought we were. I mean, that team with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and Doug Peterson at head coach, you know, there's no reason they should not have won at all. They were not outclassed. Like the big fear going into that game is you'd walk away and you're like, Jacksonville's outclassed by the Chiefs. You know, it's the Chiefs, it's the Bills, it's the Bengals, and then it's everybody else. And the Jaguars are really part of that everyone else. My takeaway from that is 
go make plays, like plays that you should make. Like Kirk catches that ball nine out of ten times. Aluakon catches an easy interception nine out of ten times. Agnew fumbles it not being touched. Which, Which by was the way, debatable fumble, been... by the way. What? It's debatable. The fumble was debatable too. The fact that the fact I think it was a fumble. When watching it, watching it in slow motion, I thought he made a football move. However, the fact that the NFL did not stop the game and go have uh, Sean Hockley go under the hood and look at that is a travesty. That is awful. By the way, if he spins to the left, he probably scores. Yeah. I mean, look, you're right. That's an enormous play right there. I mean, what is that? Eight minutes? How much time is left in that right Five there? And a half. Six minutes. That Five makes and it. A half. Yeah, that makes it a, a, a three point game if they go in there. And, and all of a sudden, Kansas City's sweating. Yeah, they're back where yep. they were, were in the uh, Chargers game. That's about where they were down uh, in that game. Yeah, if he spins out to the left, he scores. But, yep. I mean, look, the kid was trying to make a play. He, you know, that, that's a oh, fluke play. Adam, he dropped the ball. Like, I'm just saying, like, he's not done that all year. It's a free play. And now, now, wasn't that when Christian Kirk was out of the game at that moment? Would that have been a Kirk play? No, he, he had come back. He had come back he, in, I think, though. I don't know if he's on the field. Is he on the field for that play? I don't think so. He had come back in. I, I think he's out. I think yeah. I think Agnew's in for him on that play, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, By the way, that's, right. that's another missed opportunity on the on the play that he threw to Kirk, where Kirk got hurt. He had two go routes that were open. Did you see those, Tony? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, he had, if he if he, he has one on one on the outside, both both sides, and he could have hit one of those. He had a both. Um, but you know, look, that was a, that's a pretty good throw to the middle of the field. That throw you just saw there, the interception by Watson, he was getting blasted in the mouth. He needed to put that ball out a little further, and that's a big play. Yep. I mean, but, there I mean, were little misses here and there. There was the the Kirk stumbling when Kirk stumbled on third down. They couldn't get it. That's going to be a completion for a first down. Um, yep. You know, there's little the the one the, the throw the worst throw he made was the one that Kirk on that little third down play on the crosser or whatever it was. He he skipped it to him. That was a terrible throw. Remember yeah, what I mean, I'm talking I guess, about? But not, I, I don't think. I mean, I don't want to break down every single play and mistake, good, bad, or indifferent. But the takeaway, Pete, for me, and I love, I mean, as you sit in your seat, national media guy, they were not outclassed. Like, nobody nope. watched that game and said the Jaguars were outclassed by the Chiefs. Nope, nope. not one nope. bit. It was, it was and, and you could have, the Giants were outclassed when they played outclassed. the Eagles. The Jaguars were not outclassed in any way, shape, or form. They played with them, and they proved, they, they proved that they can go be a factor in the postseason next year. They will be. As a matter of fact, they will be. They will. Uh, you want to lock something right now? Oh, wow. They're going to win the division, and they're going to be a deep playoff team next year. Lock that. Take that to the back. Wow. I'm going to give you a more lock. I'm going to up you on your locks. They're going to win the division. They're going to have the number one seed. Wow. Coming in hot. I, I won't. I might not argue that one because the schedule, the division's not very good, and the schedule, will, you know, will be favorable in the division. Yeah. Okay. We'll give you that one. Number one seed at home. How about I just that? I mean, as disappointed as I was watching the entire playoff weekend, my takeaway when I woke up this morning is like, you know what, we're right there. Yep. Like you got to make some, you got you got to make some moves in the off season. Every team does, but they're not like huge moves. 
you're going to get – it's going to be really interesting to see what you get out of Calvin Ridley, if he's anything close to what he was before he went out for the two plus, the two years. That's a huge plus. Um, you're going to have a year two in the same system with Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence is going to be way better. I mean, way better. He was good this year. He's going to be great next year. I just think this team is going to be poised and because I watched all the playoff games. And I'm telling you, Pete, if you look at – I mean, you, you said it. The Giants were completely outclassed and belonged there. I thought the Bills were outclassed by the Bengals. They were dominated if you really look at that game. It was never – it was never in question. That's one of those teams that was put together by their quarterback playing out of his mind at times. That's all that is. You're right. I mean, he he compensated for their, you know, we talk about the Jacksonville's lack of, of big play receivers at times, even though those guys are good receivers, they still need another one. I, I think they need a speed receiver and hopefully Ridley might be that guy. But, you know, you, Diggs and, and Davis and gang didn't get open on Sunday and he pressed and the offensive line is a very Jacksonville's offensive line is better than Buffalo's Jacksonville's yeah, running yeah. game is better than Buffalo's yeah. Jacksonville's receivers. They don't have digs, but as a group, they're probably better. And then, they, you know, you look at the quarterback, Allen's better now, but here comes Trevor Lawrence. So you, you just have little things, and we'll have a plan here tonight because, you know, I love to play general manager. We'll have a plan. We're going we're gonna to take the we, – we fixed the defense sort of when we moved Darius Williams outside and they listened to us, so let's have a plan. We're going to have a plan to fix this team. I like that. We'll do that coming up in just a little bit. We'll, uh, we'll fix – the Jaguars, as Pete says. We'll uh, come back in a moment, though. A little more defensive talk. We'll get back on the offensive side a little later. Then in the second hour, of course, your social media questions, and we'll keep it real. All that's coming up. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. We are off and running. It's the final Monday Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think, uh, I think everybody should be, you know, should be in the right mind space going to this offseason. Uh, ready to do this again plus more. Uh, I think that's the mindset going into this offseason is... Uh, how well can we come back to the same shape but better because it's going to be a little bit more to, to get to where we need to get to next year. Uh, but I love this team, man. I love the coaching staff. I love just love the I love the vibe we have here. And I just want to uh, just get better and improve each week. Josh Allen, Jaguars outside linebacker. Welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. And for nine years, DreamFinders <coughs> Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all the available inventory and go Jags. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Jet Home Loans on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jags social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. What is the most glaring um, issue for the defense, and what is the thing they did the best this season? Pete, what do you think? Pass rush. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. And you can Amen. say it over and over again. Pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. I mean, it's just they don't they don't influence the quarterback. It's they gotta be better at that. Whatever way you get better at it, you have to be better at it. And hey, and you know, Josh Allen Josh Allen is uh, made some plays down the stretch, but he's still not the dominant edge rusher you'd like in that spot. He's a good player. 
Uh, Trayvon Walker needs to learn some moves, and I think that's going to be the focus of him in the offseason. Uh, you know, he was asked today, I saw, where were you going to go down, play with your hand on the ground? And he said, no, no, I'm an edge rusher. He's going to, you know, do everything he can to stay out there. So uh, I, they have to, whatever you do, whatever you do, you have to improve the pass rush. I mean, you look at the Eagles. The Eagles had 70 sacks this year. 70. Look at the 49ers. They get after the quarterback. You look at the Chiefs even. They had 55 this year. You got to be able to influence the quarterback more than they do, and I think that's the number one priority of the defense. The one outlier is the Bengals. They had less sacks than the Jaguars, Pete. Um, yeah, but Hendrickson was down for a while this year too, though. No, I mean, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, by the way, I agree with you 100. percent Like the biggest disappointment, uh, uh, disappointment for me watching the game. Uh, I mean, obviously losing, but they actually did a halfway decent job early in that game, like making Mahomes move and get off his spot. Now he completed every pass because he's that talented. He's a great player. So, I mean, it is what it is, but then he gets hurt and they got zero pressure. They never impacted him again. Like they didn't blitz as much either. Pete, it's blood in the water. Now you're like, we're going to go just destroy this guy because he can't do what makes him great. And I was shocked we got zero pressure after we hurt Mahomes. And they didn't blitz as much as after he got hurt. They blitzed more when he was when he was not hurt than they did when he got hurt. That makes no sense to me. But and even when they you know, blitzed, look, they brought five little, and they all got blocked, single blocked. Yeah, like the they made Jarek McKinnon look like an offensive lineman when he was in there. How many times he picked up the blitz? Uh, they ran right into him. That that's like a that's something they all got to work on. You know, even the blitzers. You, you don't have to run right into the chest of the guy every single time. It, it's not you know we said that all year about Trayvon Walker and he does it. He's continued to do it. And and those were not good. Uh, those tackles are okay. Wiley's not very good at right tackle. I think he's average as average can be. And I think you know the, the left tackle is average as average can be too. And you know at times you even. When they rush five, you're right, Tony. There's times when he's just standing there. There's nobody near him. That's when you just got to tee off on the quarterback when he's hurt like that. I mean, legally. I'm not saying do anything illegal, but go after him. And they just did not. And they didn't win one-on-one enough. And that was disappointing. And I agree with Pete. Like, the biggest issue on this team, and I'm of the mindset, and people differ, uh, and I think Pete agrees with me on this, Like the most important position on defense in today's NFL is somebody on your front four that could impact the quarterback. Now, hopefully you have more than one, but even look at the Chiefs. Frank Clark's okay. He's not great. I mean, he shows up uh, in the playoffs is what Frank Clark does. Yeah, but but even Pete, he got the tripping call because Walker Little slipped. Literally, Walker Little shut him down. Right, I agree. He slips. And then he gets a sack when Trevor's trying to scramble up in the pocket. Right, right. That was I mean, his, that was it's a like, sack. Yeah, Frank Clark didn't do anything. But you know what? Carlattis Everyone, did nothing. But but you know what? Because I thought the offense tackles played well again. Strength. Of, we'll talk about what we do, what you do with those uh, with that position moving forward. But I think what. But a guy like Chris Jones, even though he still does not have a sack in the postseason, which is remarkable to me, but he forces you to game plan for him. And it gives everyone else one-on-one blocks because of Chris Jones. And, it's, it's, like, he still got pressure. 
I mean, there were, yes. you know, he still had like four or five pressures. He, he still right. won at times. It wasn't a dominant game by his standards, no. but by the rest of the league standards, it was still a heck of a game. And what the ja- the Jaguars don't have that guy. So either Trayvon has to develop into that. Josh has to figure out how to bottle the four or five week stretch he had at the end of the regular season. And just that's all 17 weeks. But you you have to that, like it's the most important position on a de- on the defense. Like you can if you can like look at the Eagles seventy sacks. Now they have Darius Slay who's a good corner, but you can have average corners. Bradbury's a good. Bradbury's a good corner. They have good corners. Yeah, but Pete, my point is you can be you can be okay at the corner position if you rush the passer. Yeah, and look who's rushing the passer for them, Reddick who was signed as a $15 million a year free agent, which is a bargain for him. Hargrave, who is a free agent, by the way. Um, Sweat, who's developed into a really good player. And then the other one with double digits was, I forget, um, Graham, I think, had double digits. So they had four guys with double digits, but they come in waves. You look at the 49ers. Bosa's, you know, you talk about that guy, that's Bosa, but they also have... Guys and, you know, Armstead guys who can come in waves. Jacksonville needs the one guy, then everybody else will be, you're right, then everybody else will kind of feed off that and become those, you know, guys that get the five, six, seven, eight sacks. And you know the other thing that stood up, and we'll get to what the defense did good this year, JP, in a second. You know what else uh, jumped out at me watching the game and then watching, I didn't watch the whole game on tape, I watched part of it, is I thought this defense played very physical down the stretch. I didn't think they were physical against the Chiefs. They didn't tackle well at all. I didn't think they were physical. Like, I like no. it wasn't Roy's best game. It wasn't Fadaka. Like, no, it was not. Like, no, it was not. None of those guys were physical. Like, even Trayvon, though, he's not a great pass rusher right now. He's a physical presence. He blows things up. Josh Allen has been really physical down the stretch. And I don't think they played their, as physical as they had down the stretch. It jumped. That's what jumped out to me watching it. Um, and give credit that interior three for the Chiefs good. is really good. Like yeah. really yeah. good. Creed Humphrey's out well, one of the best centers, if not the best center in the league. Well, Kelsey is, oh. but he's right there with him. Uh, Trey yeah. Smith is a physical right guard, man. And a really physical right guard. And Tooney's a high price free agent at left guard. They're good. Yeah, they're, they're very good. good. So, so, I mean, it was a tough match right. for our interior guys, but I've been so impressed with how physical that group's been down the stretch. And I just don't – they didn't have that same – No. They didn't control the game like they have in the past. Um, and there were missed tackles all over the place. Right. Well, that there's I mean, a lot you know, of issues there. Yeah. And, and and they're going to have to figure out what to do with Devin Lloyd. Um, he's a, He really struggles in zone coverage of, like, matching up, understanding, you know, space and where he's supposed to be. And he does not, he's not instinctful at this point as an off the ball linebacker, run or pass. Um, Which makes like, him play slower. Yes, it does. Like when, you, like when he's, like if you watch him, like I watched him man to man a couple times with Travis Kelsey. It was, he did a pretty good job at times, like because he, he's so athletic and it's like, just go cover that guy. And he did a pretty good job. You know, he, I don't think he's a great blitzer yet because I think he runs into the guy a little too much. But when he comes off the edge, he has he shows his speed, his athletic ability, and he has length. So he has all the tools. The question is, can you get him comfortable as that off the ball linebacker and allow him to 
play at the speed that is that he, his physical gifts that he has. Can you unleash that somehow? Is it a year where he just gets more comfortable? And, you know, a lot of rookies struggle year one, it, you know, especially right. when you're transitioning to a different position. You didn't really play that style in college. And so I'm not writing Devin Lloyd off by any means. I think and he, he got better. Uh, and he got better. He's not good. He did. He got better. He did. And all reports, he's a, it's important to him. He's a good good dude. Like he, I mean, I think he wants to be good. But they're going to have to figure that in offseason. And I think the one thing that I do appreciate about this defense, they play hard. And they fly around, you know, um, and, uh, you know, they didn't get the turnovers in the playoffs that they did down the stretch that really helps them because they don't have that stopper on defense. So they need turnovers to be effective. But I would say for the vast majority of the season, I appreciate how hard they played and how they f- flew around and, 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 and tried. To, they played the game the right way. And hey, you know, give credit. Give credit yeah, you're right, group. though. I agree with you 100%. They didn't play as physical, but don't worry about the the linebackers, though. They'll just draft one in the first and second round this year to kind of supplement what they have already. <laughs> yeah, I saw your I saw your tweet, Pete, earlier about that. Well, I mean, am I wrong about that, though? I mean, seriously, am I not? Look at the 49ers. It's a fifth and a – what was a fifth and a seventh or what it is, and look at the Bengals. Pratt's a third. Logan Wilson's a third. You look at Matt Milano's un, you know, undrafted. I mean, there's – you find these T.J. Edwards undrafted. You find well, these I, guys. I, I mean, my philosophy, Pete, is – and I'm listen, neither of us are doing this for a living as far no. as the GM, but my philosophy would be and is – there are certain positions that you don't draft in the first, in the top of the draft, unless they are like difference makers. Like it's just like jump off the screen, blow up, like like their junior Seau or whoever. whoever. I mean, Ray, Lu- great, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis, Erlacher. Um, because off the ball linebackers, to your point, I mean, if you look at the ones who are good in the league, Right now, they're mid-round draft picks. I mean, what was Bobby Wagner? Second rounder? Second. Third. Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard, when he plays, Mm -hmm. second. Um, You know, those two guys in San Francisco, you you know, you look at uh, Milano. um, T.J. Edwards is phenomenal. He wasn't even drafted in Philadelphia. Um, You know, there are exceptions. Like, Roquan Smith was a first-round pick. He's on his second team. He plays well, but... But it's not the value. You, you're right. You have to be above and beyond the value to be a guy you would pick in that spot. Yeah, I mean, and there's not. They're not. And so, and I'm not. Listen, I think Devin Lloyd can be a good player. And I'll say this: be careful always, as a fan, or what you and I do, Pete, of making assumptions after one year, because yeah. you could argue and people talked about it and people talked about it in the media and on shows and everything else. Everyone was killing Trent Balky for picking Walker Little in the in the mid top of the second round. And thank goodness he did because Walker Little proved down the stretch that he's a starting caliber and has an opportunity to only get better and did a damn good job down the stretch. And so you got to be careful. Some guys take longer to develop. Some guys, you know, you got to give them time to get in there and figure it out and develop. And and so don't make snap judgments based on just one year. All right. That'll lead no, us no. to and our – No, no. And I think Devin Lloyd, by the way, real quick, JP, I real think Devin quick. Lloyd's going to be a good player. But, again, I go back to the value of the position for me. 
That, that's me. Uh, and, and they spent money on one and drafted two. I just don't think you need that and that value of that position. All right. We'll come back and get into the offensive line discussion, including Walker Little and his future place with this Jaguars front group. And plenty more ahead, of course, in the second hour, your social media questions. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. and Fat Tony, Jaguars Today, all Jaguars, all NFL, all the time, 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, Monday edition, final one of the 2022 season. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Vaselli. the Jaguars fall in the AFC Divisional Playoff game to the Kansas City Chiefs, 27-20, the final score. We're recapping that and... As Pete says, trying to fix it. Let's uh, let's move to the offensive line. And, um, you know, Tony, you brought up Walker Little a moment ago. But, um, you know, this is an offseason of some question marks up front. Uh, Doug Peterson was happy with the way the group as a whole played this year. He said that today. But you got Cam Robinson coming off a knee injury. Um, you got Brandon Sheriff about to go under the knife for some offseason stuff. He played every game in a season for the first time since 2016. Uh, Juwan Taylor's a free agent coming up. Uh, ben Barch is coming off injury. And, of course, Tyler Shatley started at left guard uh, most of the season. And Luke Fortner is going into year two uh, in 2023. He was a rookie this year. So, overall, what do you make of it? And then what's the number one priority in the offseason, Tony, on, on the O-line? Well, the hard thing, the hard part is best offensive lineman, the guy this year who played the best, the most consistent, is the guy who's a free agent, and that's Jawan Taylor. Now, he was very good his rookie year, not so good years two and three, very inconsistent, ups and downs, so on and so forth. <clears throat> Did not play, in fact, they were trying to replace him with Walker Little. They gave Walker Little every chance to beat him out at right tackle. He won the job, and he had his best year. And so the question this franchise has, and this is what Doug and Trent are going to have to figure out, as you move the kind of the pieces around the chessboard, you got you got a cap that you're up against right now. It's going to go up. You'll let go some high-priced guys that will free up cap room. But how much money are you willing to invest in an offensive line where you have Sheriff is one of the highest-paid guards, if not the highest? Um, he was important to this group, brought great leadership, stability, and you know, real pro. Did not have his best year on the field, in my opinion, especially in the back half. Now, some of that was because of injuries, and I get that's part of the game. And I, I appreciate his warrior-like mentality to fight through it and be out there every snap. Kudos to him. Um, but you you spend a bunch of you have a bunch of money invested in him, and you have a bunch of money invested in your left tackle, who, by the way, on the last probably three games of the season, you could argue Walker Little played every bit at, at the same level as as Cam Robinson. So now you have you have some big decisions to make and it's all going to be about cap management of what you do with Juwan Taylor, because he's going to be a coveted uh, player at that position based on the offensive lines I've seen this year in the NFL. I say you keep them. You find a way to make it work and then you figure it out from there. I mean, and again, we've referenced this a couple of different times. I brought it up when we talked about the Eagles one time, the Eagles right now, you would say they're the best offensive line of football. Wouldn't you, Tony? Yep. Okay, Lane Lane Johnson's cap figure is $24 million in this coming season. 
Jason Kelsey's cap figure is eleven million dollars, and Georgia, Jordan Mailata's is seven million, and the right guard Samalo is seven million. So now you got there's fourteen, fifteen, thirty nine. That's fifty million dollars in cap room to the four four of those guys on the offensive line. The one guy Dickerson is on his rookie deal. So you can make it work. You can make it work. And you know the cap. You can finagle the cap any way you want to. You can take some of the guys, you know, big chunk money and give them bonus money and finagle the numbers any way you want. I will re-sign. If I'm that GM, I'm re-signing Juwan Taylor. So then I go to camp. If Cam Robinson and Walker Little fight it out, maybe you make Cam Robinson a guard. Maybe you may, you know, if you don't like Barch, if you don't like, if you want to get bigger than Shatley or more, you know, bigger line, then maybe you play Robinson a guard. You figure it out. That's up to the coaching staff. But I'm, I'm the general manager of that team. Jawan Taylor isn't going anywhere. He's going to be my right tackle. It, it's hard for me to argue that, Pete. I mean, he, he was your highest performing player on the offensive line. And, uh, and I mean, you're right. And I think Walker Little, the hard part with what you said is, do you go into training camp as an open competition at left tackle between Walker Little and Cam Robinson? And then – you know, the loser goes to left guard. I mean, that that's not the, really the way you want camp to go. You want your five guys out there working together. So I'd question so maybe you that. Put, maybe you make bit. Cam Robinson the left guard then. Well, that's going to be a long talk with Cam and his agent because, you know, most guys don't want to go from left tackle to guard. I'll tell you that much. Well, who do you think – I'm going to ask you. You're the expert on the opinion. Who is better suited to be the left tackle? Um – I mean, I think Walker Little, the last three games, maybe even more consistent than Cam. I mean, he played really well against high competition. And so, I'm not, so Walker Cam, Little. Cam was, so, to say, we're going to say, for, for the sake of this argument, Walker Little's the left tackle. Then Cam Robinson has to find a spot. We've seen guys, even high expensive, high price guys, have moved inside a guard in their careers at times, Tony. They've done it. Well, it's I mean, not out I mean, of the question. I mean, the other option you have, Pete. If you think Cam or Walker could be right, play go play right tackle at a high level, close to what uh, at the level Juwan did, do you let Juwan walk, free up that cap space, move Cam or Walker to right tackle? I mean, we just, I mean, Dallas did it this year. One Tyron Smith, who's an All Pro left tackle by the way, and they moved him to right tackle. And to Tyron's credit, he said, "If this is best for the team, I'll go do it," and he did it. And and they played pretty well at offensive line. So. I mean, that's the other option because you have other needs on this team. And if you think you have two starting caliber guys um, that are already signed for next year, I could see a scenario where you let Juwan walk and you go with Walker Little and Cam uh, at at your two tackles. I'm with you. I think you keep your best players. You keep guys who perform at a high level. Juwan did that. I'd like to see them find a way to keep them, but it's it's not the worst option if you have to go with Cam and Walker Little at those two tackles. No, but again, though, you're t- if you do that, you're taking one of those two and putting him in a position where we we saw where Walker Little struggled when he was at right tackle. He won the same player, and yeah, Cam's but, not been a right tackle. Fifteenth, so you're taking a p- position of strength <laughs> and moving moving him out and moving weakening at, at that spot too. I, I don't know. I just I think you find a way to keep him. And then you figure it out. 
So you can never have too many good football players on the offensive line. Go look Especially around the, the league. Off, if, if the train, if the playoffs don't teach you that, I mean, the playoffs every year we it's and Tony, you preach this for years being an offensive lineman. The playoffs are all about your offensive line play. You have a quarterback and an offensive line and a defensive line. You're going to win games, a lot of them. Period. They have the quarterback. They still need work on the defensive line, but this offensive line is growing into something. Why? Why take it and? And possibly make you weaker at spots where you don't have to be weak. It makes no sense to me. I would find a way to keep Juwan Taylor no matter what. All right, guys. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Pete. All right, let's come back in a moment. Good conversation there. Uh, we'll come back and take a look at the divisional playoff results, preview the championship games this coming week, and then in the second hour, your social media questions will keep it real and much more ahead. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jags. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network. When Jaguars news breaks, you'll hear about it first on 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it's frustrating when you think about the game. and um, Yeah, we're there. Um, and, and even with that, people want to talk about the future, and it's frustrating because we still had everything we needed and, and every opportunity to win that game. So, you know, but we didn't. You know, we didn't get it done, and, and that's what that's what kind of eats at you a little bit. But we'll, we'll let that fuel us for next year, and um, you you kind of you you remember that feeling, and you use it moving forward. But yeah, I mean, we're we're there, and just to think about, like I said, the the experience and all the the, the work that we'll have this offseason moving forward, and um, we're just gonna get better and better. And those are the teams you got to beat. You know, if you want to get to where we want to go, you're gonna have to go through all those teams. And you look at Cincinnati and. Kansas City and Buffalo, and there's going to be other great teams next year, too. And um, those are the teams you got to beat. That's the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, today. Welcome back. It's the final Monday, Jaguars happy hour of the season. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Briscoe, Tony Baselli. Coming up in the second hour, your social media questions. Well, he's talking about all the teams, of course, that were in the final four of the AFC. And that brings us to the divisional weekend results. Of course, the Chiefs over the Jaguars 27-20. As mentioned earlier, the Eagles blasted the Giants 38-7. That was um, that one was over in a hurry. The Bengals over the Bills 27-10. Joe Burrow, it was 14-0 right out of the gate. Could have been a whole lot worse than that. And the Niners beat the Cowboys. Dak threw a couple interceptions in last night's game. So, um which which of those stands out the most to you, Pete? Who has the best chance to win the AFC? Who's going to win it? You know, if Mahomes is gimpy like that, I think the Bengals do. I mean, they can. The one thing that they'll do is they'll go after him. I mean, they get they went after Josh Allen on Sunday. Lou Anaromo has some has some great great defenses, and and I think that's going to be a problem. I, I think the Bengals are going to win that game. I act, Joe Burrow is uh, Joe Montana. That's who he is. I mean, he's, he, the way he plays and puts the ball accurately in the spots and everything, I, th- I think the Bengals are going to win that game. I think they'll beat them for the fourth straight time. I think the bank, I think the Bengals win even if Patrick Mahomes is 100%, which he's not going to be. I think the way they're playing and the way they've been playing down the stretch and with Joe Burrow, I, I mean, I, I think they're, they are unfazed 
of playing in any atmosphere, any stadium. Like going on the road is not going to bother them. In fact, they've already, they won there last year um, in that setting in the AFC t- title game. So they're going to be confident going in. I think the Bengals win that game. I think they and I think it'll be there'll be a tough matchup in the Super Bowl. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals win the whole damn thing. NFC. How about the other side of it? Who's winning that? I mean, I think the Eagles are winning it. Uh, look, the one thing when you when you play the Niners, and we saw it with the Cowboys, when you're limited offensively, they they keep you and they blast you, they hit you, they attack you. They're fast, they're athletic, they dictate tempo. But when you can do so many things the way the Eagles do and scheme things up and spread them out and get those guys running sideline to sideline and, and have the threat of Hurts running the football, I think it neutralizes them a little bit. And they have big play guys down the field. I mean, you saw A.J. Brown was pouting the other day because he didn't get the football even though they were winning by 27. I mean, that that's the kind of players they have on the outside. Devontae Smith's had a great year. So I think it's a tough matchup for the Niners. And what we don't know is Brock Purdy on the road the postseason against a team that has 70 sacks. We have no idea what he can do in that scenario. None. And he showed, started to show a few cracks on Sunday. So I'll, I'll take the Eagles to win that one. Yeah, I, I tend to lean towards uh, – agree with Pete on that one too. I think the Eagles are – boy, they're a good team, well-rounded, both sides of the ball. But I'll tell you what, I'll be watching – very closely both lines of scrimmage. I cannot wait for the Lane Johnson, Nick Bosa matchup. Two of the best uh, in the business. And then the outside good edge too, Tony. against Trent Williams, watching Trent go against those guys. I, it's going to be, I know most people don't care about that kind of stuff, but I'll have a hard time following the ball because I'll be watching those matchups up front. It's going to be fascinating. I agree. Good offensive line play. Some good games coming up next. Uh, it's coming Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern kickoff for the NFC Championship game. And then the AFC game starts at 6.30 Eastern time. Cincinnati in Kansas City, San Francisco in Philadelphia. Um, we've had a, a rare double lock tonight back in the opening segment. For those who have just joined us, uh, both Pete and Tony have locked a division title and a number one seed next year for the Jets. I mean, when you look at the schedule, they play the NFC South, right? Yep. So, so you got the Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and Bucks. Those teams are all in, <laughs> looking for answers right now. And then you have your own division. They're all looking for answers right now. That means you have the Niners, Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens, and Bengals. Those are your games you're going to have tough games against. Those are the ones you're going to have to, you know, at Pittsburgh won't be easy either. But it's a favorable schedule next year. So you could get the one seed. Yeah. I mean, I, I like where this I – mean, I, I love the combination of Doug and and uh, Trevor, obviously. I think they got a good course uh, group of guys. They've set the culture the right way. They'll add a couple pieces. I think some of the young guys that we've talked about, the Trayvon Walkers, Devin Lloyds, those guys are only going to get better. Um, they got big decisions to make. Another guy we haven't talked about yet that I think is a must-re-sign is uh, Evan Ingram. I, I, I think you've got to find a way to pay for him and get him back because of what he can do from the tight end position. He's the perfect tight end for what Doug Peterson wants to do. And he's another guy that had a great year, and you need to find a way to sign him. All right, let's come back. We'll get to that thought coming up. One hour down, one hour to go. This is the final Monday Jaguars happy hour of the season presented by Jet Home Loans on the Jaguars Digital Network.
It's huge. It's huge. It's it's the same thing I've been telling the players this morning. The ones I've seen is, you know, especially the guys that are going to be back. I mean, there's familiarity. You know, uh, when the off-season program starts, they know exactly what to expect. They know what to expect during OTAs. They know what to expect during training camp. They know the offense, the defense. They know special teams. So, it, it's and then for Trevor, it's it's everything. There's continuity. There's consistency. He knows the guys he's going to be throwing the ball to. He knows the coaching staff who's going to be coaching him, and um, that's that's uh, that, that's a big that's big for us. And in, in from year one to year two, and and um, those are the you know the the jumps that teams make is usually year one, year two, possibly into year three. Um, <clears throat> but for our quarterback, you know, who had a great year this year, he'll only get better just having that that consistency around him. That's head coach Doug Peterson earlier today. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Jaguars happy hour. The final Monday show of the 2022 season. The Jaguars lost an AFC divisional playoff game to the Chiefs 27-20 on Saturday at Arrowhead. Missed opportunities, a dropped interception, a dropped deep pass to Christian Kirk. Jamal Agnew fumbled inside the five-yard line. The Jags team got further this season than many predicted. It was an incredible second-half run to win the division and, of course, the rally to win the wild-card playoff game. The uh, final game of the season comes down to the division title. Everything at the end was fantastic for this team. But now it's on to the offseason and how to build this team to compete with the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills and learning how to compete in a playoff atmosphere. Well, we mentioned it last hour. Evan Ingram is... Uh, at the end of a one-year contract for the Jaguars. He's due to be an unrestricted free agent at the start of the league year in March, but he was in the locker room today, and he wants to be a Jaguar. Conversations will get there. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I think everything will take care of itself in that aspect, but um, like I said before, uh, it's definitely a place where I want to be um, and where I want to continue my career and uh, you know, be a part of what's being built here for sure. The uh, full press conference, or media availability, rather, with him available on Jaguars.com. And, yes, career highs in catches and yardage in a one-year prove-it deal for Ingram. He certainly has proven it. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jags social media, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, and Tony Baselli. You got to have him back, right, guys? Got to. I mean, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, agree. he's. I mean, he's a big – I mean, if you look down the stretch on the winning streak, he was maybe the number one weapon in the passing game. And the stats proved out in a couple games. But just, you know – and I think the more comfortable Trevor gets with the offense and that, and then Doug's going to be able to do more and more because just Trevor's, you know, learning curve and um, just – how you know his understanding of what they're trying to do trevor's going to get better which is going to make everyone around him even better um i I mean i think trevor has only scratched the surface of how good he can be and he's pretty damn good right now which tells you what i think at least of where his ceiling is which is the best quarterback in the nfl that's his ceiling and when you have that guy and you have weapons in a guy like Evan Ingram, who's a matchup issue because of his speed and, and his, you know, run after the catch. And he, and I thought his blocking improved this year. Uh, he's, he's a guy you want on this team. He's a guy that you have to figure out how you resign him 
for a long-term deal because he'll just, he'll grow and he'll become a better player because of the, the improvement and the growth of Trevor Lawrence. So where do you go with that number? Because he made nine million this year, average one-year deal. He got nine million, but if you go to the contracts in the tight end position, let's just say Dawson Knox makes thirteen million a year. You yeah, I was going to say somewhere between twelve and thirteen a year is what you're going to pay him. Yeah, because because Jonu Smith made twelve five, and that was a bad contract. The Patriots had two bad ones. Remember, everybody wanted Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith in Jacksonville. They're, neither one of them worked out. They're at twelve twelve five each. You get up to Mark Andrews at fourteen. He isn't Mark Andrews. I mean, he's he's good, but he's not Mark Andrews. And Joku thirteen six. So you're talking about twelve thirteen thirteen and a half million a year yeah. for him. Do you, call it call it a do, three year deal. 39 million, 40 million with half of it guaranteed or something like that. Yeah. I would I would do it. I again, I you have a quarterback who's special. Why go take away from what he has there? Keep him, keep Taylor. And then you figure out that you maybe use all your draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. In one speed receiver or something because and a big back in a later round. Maybe that's how you do it, but I don't think I weaken the offense. I, I think the offense is a strength. You you play to it. And then if you get Ridley and he's what he used to be, then you even have that much more to use on that offense. So I'm not weakening the offense. I'm bringing Taylor and Ingram back, both of them. Yeah, the other thing you have to think about tight end, Pete, is Manhurts is a free agent. And he did a really good job in the run game uh, this year. And, you know, the question is can um, – oh, gosh. What's the uh, – the rookie out of Ohio, not the rookie, but the second year player out of, out of Ohio State. I can't think of his name right now, JP. Luke Farrell. Uh, Farrell. Uh, Luke Farrell, thank you. If Luke Farrell can become that blocking tight end, then you can let Manhurts go and you just plug him as that kind of road grading guy that's going to block for you. Um, and you, you got Evan Ingram. To your point, Pete, I think – this is a team that you need to like in this league, you got to score points, invest in the offense. When you have the quarterback invest in the offensive line, you know, all, you know, you, you do need another back. I think a big back. I agree with you there. And then everything else, just go find that one pass, go find a couple pass rushers and go play football. Um, you're going to win a lot of football games in this league doing that. Yeah. And, and one thing we have to kind of get the fans ready for is, Ain't going to be a lot of free spending in free agency. A, they don't have a lot of cap room. <laughs> but B, it's not a great free agency class either. This class is lean. I mean, if you're looking to supplement here and there, maybe. But I'm talking about trying to, you know, like if say you wanted to go get a big body defense, it's another one. Deron Payne would be a heck of a player. They can't afford that. Hargrave, no. they can't afford that either. So... I think they got to sign sign Taylor, sign Ingram, and then use your draft to to high draft picks on the defensive side of the ball, and then come back and take maybe like you said, Tony, a big big back later in the round, and maybe a speed receiver and like a guy that's a track guy or something that that you could maybe you know become down the line a guy who can help you in the because that's one thing about them, their receivers are good, they didn't scare you though. You know what I mean? They're good, but they don't scare you down. In fact, it was almost too horizontal the other day for my liking. Yeah, I thought 
I liked it early, Pete, because you wanted that defense trying to run sideline to sideline, especially yeah. get big, big get big, uh, big Chris Jones out there trying to chase people. But I thought they could have been a little more aggressive earlier um, in pressing the ball down the field, you know, in the in the third quarter, maybe second. But I, I liked the overall the thinking because I think that's the right way to play: easy completions, get the defense running horizontally, open it up down the field a little bit. But I would have liked to see a little bit more vertical. But unlike you, I am very hesitant to question Doug Peterson because, as a whole, I've been super impressed and happy with how he calls the game. I I've said that many a time. I just pick out one or two that irritate me every week. That's all. And then look, I could do that to every team in the league. He's a great play caller. I just thought, and and, and you know what? When I was initially watching it, I said, "Oh, they ran what a." bubble screen and then a tight end screen to Ingram on the sideline over there. And I went back and watched it. If Fortner isn't lazy on that screen and makes his block, because he got lazy, he he looked around and I don't know what he was doing. That play goes for about 35. It was, it was well set up. So we, I criticized the the little quick throw and then followed up with that screen. But I'm not going to, after watching it again, I take that back because that was a big play. If Fortner isn't lazy, he got. Did you you remember the play, Tony? He got lazy out there. He didn't. He let his guy get. He let. I think Willie Gay come underneath him and make the play. Yeah, I don't know. It was it lazy, Pete, or just slow recognition? They're, those are two different things. Is lazy or question the guy's effort? Is it? Well, no, I'm not just question his effort. He just like, you know how sometimes he stops. It's it's not lazy. He got out. He wasn't lazy getting out, but he kind of like looked around and stopped. And then the guy came out. It just, it was well designed and it should have been a big play. Yeah. To me, that's lack of understanding of, you know, who you're playing, the speed, because those are fast linebackers. That's more recognition and uh, awareness and reaction to what you're seeing um, than lazy. So I get what you're saying. You know, he makes that block. It's completely different. Um, what's but, the rule on that? Like if you're the center, cause I think he was the first guy is he's supposed to peel back in, get the first, first Jersey you see. Um, I, I, I have to go back and look at it closely because I didn't, I kind of sped through the film, watch it, um, today, but typically the first guy out is responsible for whoever has that guy in man coverage. It, and uh, it usually was not the center. And it was gay. The first guy. Huh? Yeah. It was Willie Gay. He had him. You could see him running across <laughs> with him. He had him. So he's got to take him. If he takes him, if he blocks him, and I'm not kidding, when you watch it, when he blocks him, there's a big play there. And, and, a, and a really big play. Because they had it. The whole action of the Chiefs defense was on the other side of the field. Everything. Yep. So Doug is a, I mean, Doug's a great play caller. He's not a bad play. He's not a good play. He's a great play caller. Um, I just pick out every once in a while one or two of them. <laughs> Let's come back in a moment. We've got plenty ahead. We're going to keep it real when we come back. And we'll hear from the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, Trayvon Walker, in the locker room today. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Star Credit Union. Do good, bank better. And it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville Sports Fans. 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
always knew I could be a dominant player without question. It's just a fact of me knowing the ins and outs of football. Like, you have to really know the game of football to, once you're playing against such savvy guys as a lot of these veterans in the league. It's Trayvon Walker, Jaguars outside linebacker, and welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli, Pete Prisco, and it's time now for Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real ingredients. Award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. The topic today is the 2022 Jaguars draft class, led by Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick. What kind of impact did they make this season? If you're watching on Jaguars.com, you see the statistics of all of them on your screen. Trayvon Walker, first overall. Devin Lloyd, 27th overall in the first round. Luke Fortner, a third-round pick, as was Chad Muma, a linebacker. And then running back Snoop Connor. Cornerback Gregory Jr. was a sixth-rounder. And Monteric Brown, a cornerback, a seventh-rounder. So uh, what kind of impact did they make? And what do you expect moving ahead, Tony, from this draft class? I mean, if you look at the numbers this year, um, the defensive guys, I, I don't think you probably got the production you were hoping for. I mean, when you pick a guy number one overall, we look at the number two overall pick, and, you know, whether we like it or not, that's the comparison that is going to be made to Trayvon Walker going into next year. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson had nine and a half sacks, I think three picks. You know, I don't know how many tackles for losses or any of that. Um, but – you know, much better um, year statistically, at least, in how he impacted the game. Now, Trayvon's a more physical player, more gifted physically than Aiden Hutchinson, but the numbers as far as what people care about when it comes to that position is hitting the quarterback. And in Trayvon, I thought what he said is fair. He's a, He's got to do better. He's got to learn the in- intricacies of working against, you know, NFL offensive tackles. And if he does that, it'll be great. But this year, the numbers are what they are. And then you look at, you know, you benched your other first rounder, your linebacker. You benched him for your third rounder, which Pete and I have talked about several times in the show, you know, picking two off the ball inside linebackers in the first three rounds on a team that had other needs is interesting by itself. But then you don't get the production you're hoping and you end up benching your first rounder. Um, I thought I think the best pick of this draft was Luke Fortner. Started all 16 games, got better throughout the year. And I think you have an answer for at the center position, hopefully, if he can stay healthy for years to come. Um, so I don't like giving grades to a draft class after one year. I think it's nonsensical. But I don't think they probably got the production they wanted out of those uh, top three, uh, the top three defensive picks. I would agree with you 100%. I think Trayvon Walker has a chance to be a really good player. I mean, he's a good, he's going to be a good player no matter what. The question is, will he ever be a good pass rusher? And the, the other question is, do you play him with his hand on the ground? I mean, that's still uh, something to consider in the offseason. You know, he, he seemed to shun that idea. Um, you know, he says he's an outside pass rusher. If he learns the the tricks of the trade, he's never going to be sudden. That's not going to he's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be twitchy and sudden and explosive, but he can end up being a good pass rusher. You know, somebody made a comparison to Preston Smith, Tony. You, you know, the other day we were talking, I think it was Rick Spielman, who I work with Preston Smith from the Packers, who was with Washington, big physical yeah. power player, you know, not a great mm-hmm. pass rusher, but 
can get sacks, you know, and, and, and influence the quarterback. Um, that's a pretty good comparison when you think about it. But again, because he's the first overall pick, that might not be good enough. And so that's why I think people are going to focus on him next year and see if he can get the quarterback on the ground. Lloyd, um, you know, that pick right now, it's a major question mark. And I think he's got the talent to turn it around, but he's, it's a major question mark. I wouldn't have drafted Muma. No, even if he's a good player, I don't think you do that. And Fortner, like Tony said, was the best pick. The rest of the draft produced nothing. I mean, they got nothing out of those guys. Here's the thing. Would they – and you probably would never do – I don't think anybody would do this. Would they have been better off with Sauce Gardner number one overall? Well, the guy the all poor quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. But you don't you don't see teams taking corners first overall. You just don't. But that might have been the way they should have went when you think about it. And, and personally, I'll be the first to admit this. I would have taken – because I didn't know what Juwan Taylor was. I probably would have taken Evan Neal, and I would have been wrong because he hadn't played very well this year either. Uh, and, and I think – you know, we, Tony's right though. Like I'll, I'll use the Giants as a perfect example. When Andrew Thomas was picked, he has tough rookie year, and everybody criticized the hell out of him. Well, now he's an all-pro left tackle. You know, and, and so it takes a little time. So it's unfair to give out grades after a year, but – Based on what we saw, the first two picks didn't produce the way they thought they would produce at all. We thought they'd be – you thought Trayvon Walker would have eight sacks, nine sacks, right, first year at least? I thought, thought six. I thought six to eight. Yeah. You thought, you thought Lloyd would be a sideline to sideline, you know, make all the plays type of speed linebacker, and he won that either. So I think a disappointment is the word. But a lot of things to like about both players. And I think the potential to be big impact players is there. I just think for me, I would play Walker with his hand on the ground. Put another 15 pounds on him and play with his hand on the ground. Pete, I, I, you, your comparison of Trayvon Walker and Preston Smith, I think Trayvon Walker is more athletic than Preston Smith. Um I, I see the comparison of how because ultimately Trayvon Walker needs to become a power pass rusher. Um, he should watch Miles Garrett, who is a power pass rusher, who has good inside counter move, but he's a power guy. If you watch Miles Garrett, who's one of the best pass rushers in football, if you watch Nick Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in football, they're both power rushers. They set it up off the bowl and the rip, and then they have a good counter to the inside. And that's the style of player that Trayvon Walker needs to be. And that's how that's his that's his makeup. He's not going to be a quick, you know, jump around guy, you know, avoid you. He's going to he's going to work. He needs to learn to work an offense tackle off his power because he has good power. Um, and I thought coming in and we talked about this, Pete. I thought Trayvon Walker was going to be a project this year because he you were asking him to do something he didn't do in college, and he wasn't a great pass rusher in college. He was a great athlete. And so you don't develop those skills overnight. You have to go learn through the fire, which I think Trayvon Walker did this year. Now you hope he can take all that he learned and all the experiences in games this year and translate that to – you know, really good that translate to translates to a really good offseason where he works on a skill set, gets a rush game plan of what suits him. I think the bigger disappointment for me, at least, I had really high expectations for Devin Lloyd 
because of his length and his athletic ability and his build, you know, just his skill set. I thought he would be more. I thought he'd be more impactful than Trayvon Walker this year, just because, you know, what he did in college and and how athletic he was and with his length. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what off what kind of offseason he has. What does he need to do to become more instinctful to let all that ability he has come out and go play fast. By the way, just a little aside to that, uh, Nick Bosa had nine sacks his first year, and Miles Garrett only had seven. So there's your there's what you talk about, Tony, is learning the tricks of the trade, and you can you can make that jump in year two. Yeah, and, and he has all the skills to do it. I mean, Trayvon Walker is a freak, and I love what how he answered the questions. Like he's he knows that you know he needs to like take the next step. And there will be a spotlight on him, whether it's fair or not. He's the first overall pick of the NFL draft. People are going to compare him to the best at that position and expect him to be one of those guys. And uh, I think he can do it. I think he's a talented guy, and I I hope it works out, and I hope he uh, figures out what that rush game plan is for him and uh, develops it, and he has a huge year next year. But pass rushers all the time take a big step from year one to year two. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's got the tools to do it. It's just a matter of if it translates. Would you move him inside, Tony? Or would you let him go to camp and see what he could do standing up again? That's uh, a great question, Pete. But if you're going to stay in the 3-4, I think I'd probably keep him outside because why don't you give him a year and find out what he can really do? He played that position all year. You know, you give him a plan to work on in the offseason. Do you really want to, you know, almost start from ground zero and force him to go play a new position and learn a new position again? So, uh, you know, I so I, that's a long way of answering. I think I'd keep him right where he is and let would him develop. You, okay, would you go to the four three then? I mean, not if you look at if you look not, at the defensive makeup. He's a four three. I mean, and I know people are going to say this; they're going to see it. How many times did they have Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker, Arden Key, in man coverage on or in zone coverage on with Kelsey in the area? That's not a good thing. Yeah, I think. I mean, from their front personnel, I think they probably have more of a four three personnel, you know, to play that type of style of defense. But that goes back to being coordinated between your scouting department, so your GM and your coaching staff, and what you're trying to do. You know, making sure you're getting the right players to play the system that your coaches want to coach. And my concern, Pete, going to a 4-3, you had a first-year defensive coordinator that had some growing pains, but I think is a good coach of Mike Caldwell. Are you going to ask him, after being coordinator for one year, to – change his entire philosophy he's a three four guy that's he learned that he's a that's the system he grew up in and coached under uh in tampa do you do you ask him to go come up with a whole new uh scheme of a whole new four three system i think there's risk in doing that see my theory on it is is i think when you look at the like the eagles rush the passer with what four the 49ers rush the passer. I mean, again, you're in nickel a lot of the time, so it's different. But but what do they rush the passer with in San Francisco? Four. I, I think the best pass rushing teams have the four. I, and I I mean, that wasn't – you don't think that was frustrating seeing Arden Key and man coverage on Travis Kelsey in a big moment? I mean, I just, I just don't think that's 
quite what I would want from my defense. Yeah, to your point, I think all their outside linebackers are more 4-3 ends. And that's what they came into the league as. Arden Key was a 4-3 end when he came into the league. But that's where, Pete, and this is where you have to make sure your GM and scouting department are on the same page as the coaches of what they want to do, and you should draft players that fit that system. Yeah, and you could start the game with actually three linebackers on the field since you have 60 of them. And I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying that they're not in constant communication. It's just I, I'm with you. I look at the personnel and the guys who's outside of Cable on Chase on, who is a, you know, he has the makeup as a outside three-fourth backer. The rest of those guys are more, you know, more four-three ends. Guys, let's take a timeout. That was Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Another year, no box in the mail, Pete. All right. Uh, We'll hear from Pete coming up in just a few uh, moments on that. We'll come back. Social media questions. Right around the corner, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Monday. It's the final one of the 2022 season. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, and Tony Baselli. Time now for the Fanatics fan questions. Jaguars fans are gearing up and saving big at Fanatics.com. Shop today and rep your Jags gear on game day and every day. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. We put out the cat signal earlier today. Here's the best we've come up with. At Kaniac Jag, what are your minimum expectations for next season? Playoffs or bust? Question mark? What do you oh, think? Playoffs. For sure. It has to be playoffs. No doubt. They will be in the postseason next year. And, you know, since we locked the number one seed, they're going to have a bye. <laughs> True. I mean, I'll, think I'll about it. Right. If you ask every team in the league if they could play 10 games against the AOC and NFC South, would they take that? Yes. Right. The, ske- the schedule is favorable. And you got a franchise quarterback. They are the favorite by far in the division, and that schedule should get them to the number one seed. Yeah, I would I would say this. It'll be a huge disappointment if they don't win the division next year. Correct. And by a couple games, too. Like going away. Uh, let's move along now. Next question. Social media, busy place, of course. At Jags for life. Would little at left tackle Robinson at right tackle be the best path forward? Not according to Pete. I think Pete and I are both in agreement. You got to find a way to sign Juwan Taylor at right tackle. Yep, absolutely. Don't weaken the team at two spots. Don't do it. And uh, by the way, one quick thing about next year: this ain't 2017. We're going to go off a cliff the following year. They got a sustainable quarterback. That's the biggest difference. Yep. Yeah, but you know, if they protect, I I think Juwan Taylor and either. Walker Little or Cam Robinson's your best bet 
I mean, I'm with Pete. You, you got to put your best five out there. And Juwan Taylor is your best right now. He was your best offensive lineman. I don't know. According to PFF, he was graded behind Robinson and Little in terms of the tackle rankings this year, Tony. So just to get you going on the, on the final show. Don't care what they say. I don't understand what they're saying. Hey, do you think GMs look at that stuff and, like, make decisions based on PFF? I don't know if they make decisions on it, but they use them. There, there's a lot of teams that subscribe to them and pay them. Yeah, they use them. Well, I'm not, I mean, you could use them. Like They don't make decisions. I mean, there's no conceivable way you can make a decision. Okay, I'm telling you right now, that's how they graded their offensive line, their tackles. Is there any way, shape, or form Taylor wasn't the best tackle on the team? None. Now, if you're a GM, what you want to do, if you're Trent, you use that in your negotiations with them <laughs> to try to get a better yeah. price. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're the third best tackle on the team. Why should I pay you that money? Yeah, of course. Social media question number three today. This is at Totally Chad. Why do you think we refused to pressure Mahomes in the second half knowing he was immobile? I don't think they refused to – pressure I don't think they could win one-on-one I mean if you you look at it you know you could argue that Caldwell should have been even more aggressive in the blitz but they blitzed them in the second half they blitzed them post-injury I can I can show you multiple clips of us sending five guys and every one of them getting manhandled and not getting close yeah I mean and and those are the plays when I'm joking around about you know, taking the guy, uh, dropping out the guys. That's what they did. They blitzed from one side and, and took that guy out. There was still not a big blitz. There's a lot of five-man blitzes, five-man pressures. Yeah, you know, 100%. But, Pete, if it's five-man pressure, you hope somebody can win. Correct. You got to win those situations. Next question. <laughs> Excuse oh, me. Bless you, Pete. Yes, Gesundheit. he did. <laughs> at MB Valen, uh, do you think there is enough film to feel comfortable with Devin Lloyd as a starter and making and him making a big leap in year two? We've touched on this tonight. How, how did he do down the stretch when he was back in there? Well, let me better still lost yeah. in coverage. Yeah, that's questions that I don't think they're dependent on each other. Watching the tape today. I don't think if you're a coach, you're 100% confident with, you know, based on the tape alone, saying, oh, he's our starter no matter what. I mean, he lost his job this year to Muma, the third-round pick. With that said, at the same time, you can watch and look at his physical attributes and have some confidence that he, if he puts the work in, he's going to make a big leap and be a much better player his second year. Tony, uh, real quick, this is from Mike DiRocco. The Jaguars pressured Mahomes on only 16% of his dropbacks after the injury compared to 54% of his dropbacks prior to the injury. That's a problem. That's a that's a big issue. Next question. Yep. Social media. Twitter, in fact. At Norris Kent 16, early 2023 stat lines for Trevor Lawrence. What's he going to have next season? I was close on my stat line for this year. What I say, 3,500 and, uh, and 31 touchdowns, and he ended up with you what? You said 4,300. What'd you say? You said 4,300. No, I did not. Did I? Yeah. No. Yes. 
What do you end up with? What do you end up with? He ended up with 4,113 4, passing yeah, yards. Yeah, 4,300 is what I said. That's right. You're right. Yeah. And what I say for touchdowns, 32, 31, 32, 33. He finished with, 20, with 25 with eight interceptions. Yeah, he didn't get. He didn't quite get to that. But I think that little lull really set him back in terms of his numbers. So I'll give you numbers for next year. Yeah. He will have 37 touchdowns. He'll have seven picks, and he'll have 4,700 yards. Carving it up. Wow. I think 40, yeah, 46, 4,700, 36 touchdown passes, and he'll throw more picks than you think. He'll throw 10 or 11 because I think they're going to get more aggressive, and when you get more aggressive, you throw more picks. And I'm okay with it. I'll take either of those stat lines right now. <laughs> How many does Ridley have? Pete Ridley's the big question mark for me, right? And if he's the same guy. Let's just assume he's the same guy because that last year in Atlanta, he was on the verge of being a number one wide receiver. Well, if he's the same guy, he's going to have ten 70, to twelve touchdowns, seventy-five, no. ten touchdowns for twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards more. Yeah, I think it's that. Because, I mean, Kirk's still going to get his balls. Evan Ingram's going to get his balls. The guy who will get hurt as far as numbers will be Zay Jones. Well, Zay Jones goes from the two to the three. That's right. That's, he just won't get as many targets. Right. But, I mean, in the pecking order, right now, you got Kirk one, Zay two, Marvin three. You get Ridley, it goes maybe Ridley one, Kirk two, Zay three. I, it's just a big question to me. What is what is really going to be like when he comes back, Pete? It's been two years since yeah. he played. Yeah, about a year and a and half. And I don't. I mean, because remember, he sat out. It's two years, right? Yes, because he sat yes. out the beginning of. He sat out for 2020, 2020 with the uh, he had mental health uh, uh, situation he was dealing with, right, JP? That's right. Yeah, no, he was played like, fifth, he it, played fifteen games in yeah. twenty twenty. Yeah, so twenty twenty one, he played five games for the. Oh, I'm sorry, twenty one. Yeah, that was about in twenty twenty. He actually had think about this stat line. Would you take this ninety for with a fifteen point three average with nine touchdowns? Yes, I'd take that in an instant. And those are I got my, those I got are my number one old. receiver numbers. Yeah, I, I missed. I got my ears mixed up. Yeah. He he has he has missed thirty nine or no twenty nine games, correct. And the question I have is a guy missing that much time. A lot of it is going to be dependent, and I don't know Calvin Ridley at all. I mean, I I've never I don't think I've ever seen him in person. Is the question is to come back to be the guy you were before you know before he left the game with the issue some of the issues he's been dealing with is how much work are you putting in on your own? And how intense is that work? Because if if you're not doing the work and you're not training with some intensity, that's hard to get back, Pete, to where you were after that much time gone. Yeah, I don't think that was ever a problem. That was never the problem for him. Uh, oh, I don't know. What, he, he, I'm not saying that is. I'm just saying I don't. that's the big question I have. I think that's the risk. He is 28 now. So you wonder is does I mean he has good years left in him. You're only 28. It's not and he hasn't played. If he's if he can get back to what he was, he's got good years left in him. 
Yep, agree. Next question. A few more left in our final social media segment of the year. This is at LA1 Stewart. Will they double lock Super Bowl champs for 24? Or will Big Bo just go ahead and lock it himself? We need a lock. Well, we've had a double lock already of a division title and a number one seed next season for the Jags. Is there anything more after that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready to lock Super Bowls. That's let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, I'm not. No, I'm not doing that. No chance. At least let us see how many linebackers they draft in April before we do. Before we get on with that. But you guys locked the number one seed. I mean, the year before they're going to go to neutral sites for the championship game. Great, unbelievable, huh? I don't think they, they go to neutral sites. I know. I don't I'm think kidding. they do that. That's tough, right? I mean, that would be a tough one to sell. I, think. I don't know, but the last time they had a championship game in Jacksonville, you might have wished it was at a neutral site. Moving along. Next question. <laughs> Social media. Thanks a lot, Pete. At Trevorville underscore. Can this team win a Super Bowl in the next five years, Pete and Tony? What spots need to be addressed this offseason? Is the addition of Ridley enough, or should they draft a receiver this spring on top of it? Yes, they can win a Super Bowl. And, in fact, if they don't win a Super Bowl in the next five years, I would say it's a disappointment. Um, and that's putting a lot of pressure on that quarterback. But that's that's when you get – when you're number one overall pick, that's the pressure that comes with it. Uh, should they add another receiver? Yes. I think they still need to add a, a speed element to the offense. And Ridley's fast, but he's not – I'm talking about a track speed guy, if you can find one in the later – not early in the draft, but in the later rounds – um, and that's what I would do. I would try and do that. Ridley, Ridley's going to be good if he's back. That's but a big if, like we just talked about. We don't know. They will win at least one Super Bowl in the next five Stop years. Stop it with the at least. Five. Stop oh, it. Wow. I'm just telling you. There's been so many one. teams that have won two in five years. <laughs> it's going to be the Jags, baby. It's always, <laughs> it's always the Jags. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is. Uh, final question from social media today. The Fanatics. Oh, that was it. That was all. That was the one. That was it. We got them all in. We'll be the, let me ask you this. Will the guy who had the yes. phrase, will he be back? Andrew Winger, huh? Hmm. I think that's – you need to have those type of guys in your team, Pete. Great I agree. special teams guy. You don't really lose much when he comes in on defense. He's emotional. You know, he's the type of guy you need to keep around. I like Andrew Winger, and he's developed himself into a really good player. Um, like, when he plays defense, he comes in at safety, it's not like you're like, oh, no. It's like no. you just kind of keep on doing what you do, and he's a great blitzer, and he's physical in the run game. He's – I hope they find a way to bring him back. Let me ask you this, a couple real quick things. Some of those high-priced defensive players, if they don't take a cut or restructure, are they in trouble? Well, I think they have a big decision to make at defensive tackle. You know, you spent all that money on Fadakasi this year, and you paid a lot for Ray, uh, Roy Robinson Harris last year. Do you bring both of them back at their current salary? I mean, I think that's something that is going to be discussed on that side of the building. Um, I, I, I mean, Shaquille Griffin's gone. I see no scenario where they bring him back. I don't think you asked Rayshon to take a pay cut after the year he had. Um, yeah, I think the interior defense line is going to be interesting. 
That's – I mean when you look at Fotokasi's contract, I'm trying to think what the cap hit with dead cap would be. Now, you can't get rid of him. His dead cap is is way too much. What's, so he's what's not Roy? Going. What's that? Roy is – I'll tell you in a second. But yeah, no, you can't get – Fotokasi will be here no matter what. And by the way, that had, that didn't work out after it looked like it might be a good signing early on. He, had, he didn't play as, as well after, after he got dinged. Uh, Roy – Roy, you could get rid of two million bucks. You 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 take a dead cap hit as two million bucks if you got rid of him, but you'd save eight eight million in cap on him. So I think that it'll be interesting because they've, you know, here's the thing: they've invested quite a bit on the defensive side in draft picks and free agency. And if you look at this team right now, the strength is the offense. So. It'll be interesting. What would, and, and what would you do with with Rayshon Jenkins? Well, he has another year, right? Uh, they could save um, six million by releasing him. I would and not. Cap- I bring Rayshon back. No, he played it. If anything, level, right? if anything, you extend Rayshon for a, a year or two and spread that number and to out get to lessen uh, that. That's what I would do. And you might do that with Roy too. You might do that with him too. Yeah. And especially if you get the production from Roy Robertson Harris that you did the last month of the season, he really stood out. Well, you, yeah, you guys would agree with me though that Fadakasi hasn't didn't quite live up to the hype. <clears throat> Since his injury, he's not been the same player because I thought he was very good early in the season. But yes, I thought there was uh, a little bit of a fall off. But they don't have you know we talk about trimming. Shaq Griffin's a definite trim. He's gone. You save thirteen million by cutting him, but they don't have a lot of guys you can just get rid of and save money. You just don't. So they're going to have to do a lot of restructuring. And it's not, I think the Jags are one of two teams that haven't moved any money into the future either. So you can slide it back, move it around. Um, they haven't done any of that yet. So we'll see what they have in mind. Let's come back. Those are the fanatics fan questions. Thank you for the submissions today and. All season long, it's Tony and Pete's favorite segment. It And they miss the phone calls, I must say that, especially Tony. We'll back in a moment. We'll uh, wrap it up for the season after this. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony, Jaguars Today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back to final Monday Jaguars happy hour of the season. And if you're watching us on Jaguars.com, we take a live look outside at the Miller Electric Center. By the time we do this Monday show again, it'll probably be from that building. It is under construction. It will be open for business this summer by training camp, we're told. It will be ready to roll, and it will be real and spectacular. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli. By the way, uh, Jaguars just announced that uh, Trent Baalke, general manager, will speak with the media tomorrow, 1130. We'll get the final thoughts from the GM, and I'm sure he'll go through some of the questions um, that uh, Pete, <laughs> Pete and Tony just answered right here. I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, we we have pounded on Trent for stuff over the last couple of years. I mean, make no mistake about it. When it's time to criticize, we'll criticize. I give him credit for what he did to the offense. A lot of credit for that. Defense, not so much. But offense, I think he did a heck of a job with the offense. 
Yeah, this will – I mean, but Pete, don't you think this is like the real test? I mean, because it's – you had he had all the cap room in the world. So there was no real restraints. Now, you have to pick the right guys, and I think at times he did, and other times we have questions, um, both in the free agency and draft. But now it's really going to be on Trent and then Doug also, because Doug's going to have a lot of input as the head coach of, like, who do you restructure? Who do you let go? You know, how do you how do you work the cap to make sure you, you know, get the right guys? And wh- which ones do you resign? I mean, this, this is like this is a big offseason for this organization, this franchise organization to take the next step to be that contender every year for the next five years. I mean, this is a big offseason to go make moves. And, and what are the core pieces that you have to have around to do that? And this is the time to do it because this is when you have your quarterback on the rookie deal. I mean, this is when you're supposed to do it. You know, yep. they got it. Look, I can save you. I'll save you seven million bucks right now. You, you Agnew goes or restructures. You got to get that cap. His cap figure is five, eight, five point eight million. It's way too much for him. Uh, he's a good returner, but that's a lot of money for a return man. And then you have Chase on. He, you could save two and a half million dollars by letting him go. He's he has to be gone. Yeah, I struggle I mean, with the Agnew because he is so impactful. And... 5.8 Tony. Pete, I'm not. I'm not saying it's. A, it's. A, I'm saying it's a big number for the role he plays in this team right now. But he's become more and more of a role on offense. I'm not saying he's a number one threat or anything. But uh, you look at this year. Look at the game. You know, a couple games late where he had big returns to set up great field position that helped this team. Yeah, yeah just keep them all. <laughs> you got to make the hard decisions. Guys got to go. I didn't say keep them all. I'm just saying. I would probably start with a restructuring of Agnew before I just yes. say. I would do that. Door. I'd get his cap figure way down. It has to come down. So, uh, hey, this is our final show of the season. This is it. we got about five minutes left in the program. And uh, it's been how many years we've we done this? Eight now? Is that right? A lot. Is it that long? It might be. Have I been booted out of Jacksonville Radio for eight years already? More than that. <laughs> No, because we did this the next year, JP, so it ain't that much more than that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably been about that long, and it's been uh, it's been fun to be a part of it. You guys lead the way, man. I just I just roll the ball out, and you guys play. It's it's pretty easy on this side. It's a fun show. Um, It's fun doing a show with people you like, and I do like both of you quite a bit. I don't know why at times, but I do. Um, and JP, you do a great job of putting up with Pete and I and, and letting us kind of go back and forth. And Pete and I have been friends, gosh, since 1995 now. And uh, it makes it fun to do the show. And thank you to everyone behind the scenes who puts this, you know, does the engineering, puts all the content, video and everything together. Uh, it's a fun show and it's a good show. And I look forward to it every year. Um, and we joke every year it should be a year round show. But Pete's too expensive, so we can't afford them. That's what it is. And, uh, but it's a, it's a fun show, and I, it's going to be great next year because the expectations will be so high. People are going to be jazzed about this team and what they can do. And gosh, it's fun not talking about who we're going to draft all season and who's the, is the head coach getting fired. No, this now you gotta, now you got to talk about how they're going to get the number one seed since we locked it. <laughs> that's right. It's, that's more fun, Pete. In January. What are that's we doing in January? 
It's more fun. Hey, by yeah. the way, uh, hey, by the way, anybody out there who wants to sponsor the show, sponsor the show. You can you can make it happen year round, right? That's easy. That's a good point. It's just sponsorship dollars. That's all it is. But you know, Pete, you and I haven't done very good on the sponsorship side. We still haven't gotten any wine. No, from because well, you know what? I, my theory on it is it all goes to the stadium, and JP hoards it all. That's my theory. I, I, I certainly there, do not. There's a good chance of that, Pete, because you and I aren't there very often. You're never right. there. Right. Um, JP might. JP and Joe might just have a case and case of wine. Yeah, I houses. think Joe, 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 and JP both have. There's probably said three cases, one for each of us, and Joe and JP have one and a half each. Me and Bob, we go way back. Me and Bob Mondavi, man, absolutely. I hope you. I hope you had a great holiday season with all that wine, JP. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, hey, it's been fun, man. It really has. We're looking forward to this. Uh, who are they? You know, all right. So if you're you're picking right now, it's twenty fourth overall. Jaguars are on the clock. What position are you going after? Corner or pass rusher? Um. I think it. Well, if Ingram's, or, if Ingram's if Ingram's not back, you got to take a tight end. Yeah, it depends. What they, I think a lot of it depends what they who they resign and don't. But let's assume they resign Ingram. Um, I'm going best defensive player available, best most impactful player. <laughs> well, well, not linebacker though. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, most impactful <laughs> secondary or D line player. How about that? There you go. There you go. I, I would. I would also. Um, Factor in tight end in case he's not back. If he's not back, I think tight end becomes a, a, a you know like a, a mayor, the kid at Notre Dame, somebody like that. I think that would be perfect for that offense. Well, here's the other thing: if a top end, a guy you have uh, ranked very high on your board, but is a, an offensive player, let's say it's a receiver, or let's say it's a tight end, let's say the mayor kid, let's say Trent and the scouts have the mayor kid as a top ten prospect, and he slides to twenty four. There's nothing wrong with having Mayor and Ingram at tight end. Mm. By the way, one last thing about Trent. Signing Ridley might pay off in a big way because the draft isn't loaded with wide receivers and the free agency is terrible when it comes to wide receivers. That might be a move that they they that pays off in big big way for them. Pete Frisco, Tony Baselli, Brent Reber on the back end on video, Joe Fortunato on the audio side. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening to another season of Monday, Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.